Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Man, I just, I'm just excited for what the Lord's doing here. I feel, I feel an intensity, I'll be honest. I feel, I'm always a pretty intense guy, but I really feel an intensity right now. I promise I'm filled with hope and joy, uh, but I just feel a real sobering to what we're getting into. And just, just the hour that we're in as a body, Pastor Chris and I are going to, in a few weeks, we're going to actually come up here together and we're going to walk through some of our prophetic history and some of the promises that God's given us. And there, it's amazing. We feel like we're in a season where it's quickening, where the Lord is saying these things are about to come to pass, a lot of these things. So I just, I'm really excited for that. And I think a big part about what we're talking about today with intercession is so important uh, because the Lord is calling us to be watchmen on the wall and to not grow silent until God does the very things that he said he's going to do. Yes? Yeah, so, so the last few weeks, let me just move this so I don't kill myself. Because you know, once, once it gets going. <laughs> um, the last few weeks, honestly, it's been the better part of two months. We've been just drilling into this idea of ministry to the Lord. And we love, listen, we love ministry to man, we do. But like what we just experienced, the reason why sometimes things may seem different is because our first question is, did this bless God's heart? Honestly, we say it all the time, we'll sing, a, we'll sing 100 songs, we'll sing one word if that's what God wants us to do. Our first calling is actually to minister to the Lord, and from that place, we minister to man. And so we've, we've really been just growing in what this means, and the Lord has led us through, like, the whole COVID thing. God has really led us to just get reset and restructured and to become what's called a house of prayer. And we feel like at the heart of being a house of prayer, Isaiah 56 is what Jesus quoted, is letting all people come into the house, Gentiles, foreigners, and they can draw near and minister to God now. And so we've established morning and night, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we're gonna keep growing it, but we've established a place for people to come in and actually minister to God. We call it, we we put it this way. It's like a first commandment lifestyle that we're building. We come in to love the Lord our God, and then we go out to love our neighbor, right? A lot of times we go right to loving our neighbor, and that's so important, but where, where the life and authority comes from is when you actually draw near to bless God first. So, so we're establishing a place for this body to come in daily before God, come in and minister to his heart, exalt him, adore him, magnify him, pour out our oil upon him. In that place, as we behold the Lord, if you've seen on our wall, we come in to behold Jesus. His presence is so transformative, we start changing. As we love him, he pours his love back into us. He starts giving us the this wisdom and strategies of heaven And then we're released into the world to bring that to our neighbor. So we say, beholding Jesus, and then we go out to go bring his kingdom, all right? And so for the last few weeks, we've really been looking at how do we do that, though? Like, we've talked a lot about ministry to the Lord, but specifically the last few weeks, we've been looking at how do we, as new covenant priests, because that's what this is all about. We are priests of the new covenant. How do we rightly come before God and minister to him and bless his heart? And really what it comes down to is I see these two things for New Covenant priests, worship and prayer. In the Old Covenant, they all, we, I know we've hit this a lot, but I see new faces. We, uh, the priests offered up actual sacrifices and they burnt incense. New Covenant, we offer up the sacrifices of our lips and our hearts, and the incense that we burn is prayer. David said it in Psalm 141, he says, My prayers are like incense, and the lifting of my hands is like the evening sacrifice. So as new covenant priests, we're learning to come in before God and bless him and minister to him uh, specifically with worship and, and prayer, all right? So we've been, we've been hitting Thanksgiving, agreeing with what God has done, which led us into really the heart of worship. We talked about praise last week, agreeing with who God is, 
And today, we're going to talk about intercession. And so if you've ever come into our prayer room, you know that there's a time where we begin to, we begin to intercede and pray into uh, what the Lord has put on our heart. You guys ready? <laughs> At a very simple definition, we put it this way. Intercession is agreeing with God's will. God has a will, God has purposes, God has plans. First John tells us that we have confidence that he hears us when we pray according to his will. At the very heart of it, intercession is actually standing in the gap and praying God's will into the earth. But we're going to go on a little bit of a journey to really unpack that a little bit deeper. And, and I think we, especially in this hour, God's plan when crisis, especially hits nations, is he begins to raise up priests who begin to stand in the gap and intercede for that nation. And I believe this is such a critical hour for us to have a restoration of our identity as priestly intercessors. I do not know about you, but when I hear intercession or prayer, there is a plethora of thoughts that start to flood my mind that are built on misconceptions and faulty paradigms. And as a result, it actually distances myself from joining into this heavenly calling that we have all been given. Like we don't, sometimes we don't understand the value. It doesn't make sense. Like, does God really hear my words? Why does he need me to pray? Most of the time, we feel like God's always angry or sad with us, so we never want to draw near to him. Like, there's just so much that we got to break through. But maybe the biggest one is that we've been telling people that intercession is a call for just a select few. And we have sidelined people, and, and we've silenced their voice by saying that's just not your calling, when in actuality, I get some have a unique grace to press in. But as we're going to see in Hebrews, everyone has been, uh, has been invited to partake in this heavenly calling. To be where you're cleansed, set free, and by the Spirit, you are seated with Christ before the throne of God, and you intercede from that place. God has called us to be spiritual midwives, that he gives us his burdens, and we actually, we actually help give birth to them on the earth. We need a restoration of this. Guys, I want you to know that, listen, I feel like we're about to go right in the deep end right away. Your words matter. We, the last few weeks, we've been talking about how our worship matters, your song matters. We said how, we went through last week all these different types of praise. When you pluck your instruments, it moves the heart of God and releases God to do things. When we dance and raise our hands, it does things. We talked about how our songs bless God, but I want you to know in the same way, your words matter. Your words move God. Your words bless God. And I believe God wants all of us to be lifting up our voice before him. Do you know that in Acts 10, the first, uh, the first convert was, was Cornelius, so the first Gentile convert, non-Jew. And in Acts 10 verse 4, there was a, uh, an angel that came to Cornelius and he said, Cornelius, your prayers have come up before God as a memorial. He says, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard by God. Think about that. Your prayers have come up as an offering. I'm sure there were times where Cornelius was praying, didn't have a lot of faith. But God says, I've actually received all of those words. Your words, when you feel like God is right in the room, he receives them. But so are the times where you feel like you're just speaking into the wind. He says, your words matter. And your words not only bless God and move God like his songs, but it actually leads him to act and hasten his activity on the earth. I would never believe it if I didn't see it right there in the scriptures. <laughs> in, in, in Revelation 8, it says that our prayers, it's pictured as being a bowl before God. And it says it's a bowl full of incense, which is amazing because it says that God keeps everyone. He never forgets your prayers. <laughs> we forget them, but he remembers them. He remembers the long ones. He remembers where all you had was tears. He remembers the ones you couldn't even put into words. God says, I've been collecting them. 
And at the end of the day, in Revelation 8, it says that as the incense of these prayers come before him, it actually causes God to release an angel of justice onto the earth. Your, your prayers lead to God's justice on the earth, God's redemption on the earth, God's kindness on the earth, God's mercy on the earth. So my hope today is that our hearts really get awakened. First of all, we're going to break some misconceptions, and then our heart's going to be awakened with a zeal to intercede. Like when we come into the time of the prayer room or on your own life, you're going to realize, like, I'm standing before God. How are we going to do that? Well, most of the time we talk about intercession, prayer, things like giving. The first thought is, great, this guy's going to shame me into doing this. <laughs> We need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, right? That's usually the pattern. Listen, although we, I want all of us to do this more, my goal here is not to shame you. How do you find a zeal birthed by the Spirit to give your life to intercession? You have to behold the intercessor. It's the biblical pattern for everything. Jesus says, forgive as I've forgiven you. Be merciful as I've been merciful to you. Jesus says, if you want to find out how to find a forgiveness in your heart and a mercy in your heart for even your enemies, do not start with your own white knuckling it. Your discipline will get you so far. If you want to find a grace by the Spirit, get locked into the mercy and forgiveness I've given you. Meditate on it, and it will naturally flow from your heart. And so the same is true for intercession. If you're like, I don't get it. Why do we do it? Does it really matter? Lock into the one who interceded for you. That's what we're going to look at. None of us would be here today if Jesus did not stand in the gap and intercede for us. And the more that touches our heart, the more we're going to give our life to it. Do you know that Jesus took on the lowest position in Philippians 2? Became a bond slave, it says for us. And then it says God raised him up and seated him in the heavenly places, right? He is raised and seated to the highest position, given the name above every name. Now, this is an important question to ask. If Jesus is in the highest position right now, Every principality, every rule of the earth comes far below where he is. If he's in the highest position, shouldn't we ask, what is he doing there? <laughs> Wouldn't that probably be a pretty important task if we found out that he actually had an eternal occupation right now? And you know what it says in Hebrews 7.25, what he does from the highest position? It says he lives to intercede for us. The highest position means that intercession is the highest calling. How often do you hear that in the church? Prayer is not a side activity to get to the real work. Prayer is the work. Prayer, prayer, like, listen, prayer is where I don't want anything birthed by human ingenuity. I don't want anything birthed by gifting. I want, I want this house being birthed by the Spirit. That's what's able to stand. So we're going we're gonna to go on a little journey. We're going to see Jesus as our intercessor, and then we'll see how that goes from there. We're going to look at then our role in interceding. Is that cool? You ready for this? All right, so let's go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 59. We're going to gaze upon the intercessor. Yeah. I just pray, Lord, help us to receive your intercession for us that we would stand in the gap for others in Jesus' name. Isaiah 59, I want to read verses 14 to 16. One of the most beautiful pictures of Isaiah has a stretch that has such a beautiful uh, uh, inv invitation into the gospel. 
And at the heart of the gospel, what you find is intercession is at the heart of the gospel. Okay, I'm gonna repeat this a lot, but none of us would be here today without one man who interceded for us, just so we see the power of intercession. And pretty much, I'm not gonna read it, the whole thing, but the entire chapter of 59 up until verse 14, verse 14 is like the, the, the capstone. But the whole thing, God has been speaking through the prophet Isaiah to really just express the plight of humanity. That since sin has entered in, he just starts rattling off just what, like the, the, the destruction of sin and where man finds himself. And so we pick it up in verse 14, where God says through the prophet Isaiah, justice is turned back, right? He's just hitting these things. This comes at the end. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter, verse 15. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And then it comes right here. Listen to this, it says the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. Ready for verse 16? Listen, it says, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. So he sees God is looking upon the plight of humanity and says, I'm looking for a man, one who would intercede and deal with the crisis that's at hand. And then at the end of verse 16, it says, then his own arm brought him salvation. So good, we'll come back to that. And his righteousness upheld him. So look, these words right here, if you really want to understand it, what God is saying here, these words find their origin and their roots going back to the Garden of Eden. So, So in the Garden of Eden, as we say often, God created man, right? It's this incredible picture where there's perfect communion, like no veils, no hindrances. It's just unadulterated, like bliss, fellowship with God as it was always intended to be. And we've shared a few weeks ago how the Garden of Eden was actually a picture, although a real garden, it was actually an imagery of a temple. And the, and the Garden of Eden was the Holy of Holies within Eden itself. And so Adam and Eve are functioning as priests in the Holy of Holies, communing with God, drawing near and ministering to his heart. It's where we were made to be. But then, then there's a great divorce. Sin enters in and there's this chasm that takes place where man is separated from God. Where heaven and earth, this place where the garden was a place where heaven and earth overlapped, sin enters in and it rips the two apart. And since the Garden of Eden, God has been on a global search to find a man who would be able to bridge the gap of heaven and earth. He's been looking for a man who would be able to restore God himself with the brokenness of humanity. And he looks not just for any man, it says he looks for an intercessor. Why? The word intercessor here in the Hebrew means pagah. And pagah means to meet or connect. Stay with me, it's really important. So for example, in the book of Job, when lightning touched the ground, it says the lightning pagah, that's what I would say in the Hebrew. It touched the earth, the two met together. In the book of Joshua, it says when Joshua is taking territory, when states touch one another, when they connect and meet, they pagah with one another. So when it, when it talks about God looking for a man who would be an intercessor, he's looking for one who would be worthy to stand in the gap between God, a holy God, and a brokenness of humanity, and who would be able to become a connection point to bring them back into fellowship. He's looking for one who would come in, not, listen, intercession is so much more than words. We're talking about words, but our lives are meant to be placed in the tension of God's desires for the earth and the crisis of the earth. And that we would stand in that gap until the two get reconciled and become one. Until heaven touches earth. God was looking for one. Who is worthy enough to fully represent God to man and then fully represent God, a man to God? 
Was there anyone? And God went on this search, and when he looked around, it says he found no one worthy to do this. And so because God couldn't find a man, God became a man. And God stepped in the gap. And everything about Jesus' life, he was making intercession for me and for you. Every part, every step of Jesus' obedience, every time he was obeying, every time he was resisting sin, it wasn't because he came to show us that he was God. There's an aspect of that, but he, he came to step in as a human to do what we could never do. Every step of the way, he comes in, and when he says no to Satan, he says yes to the Father, he says, I'm doing it for them. I'm the cross was not just Jesus' offering. His entire life was a self-giving offering for us. His entire life, he's thinking of us, saying, I am making a way for them to be brought back. I am the ultimate picture of an intercessor bridging heaven and earth, bridging God and humanity. If you want to know the full extent of this intercession, go back into Isaiah 53, a few chapters, which we're not going to read really right now. We hit on it a few weeks ago. But it's, it's the story of Jesus or, or the prophecy of Jesus as the suffering servant. And in this, it says that God would take this one servant, this righteous servant. There's a lot of activity driving out there, people doing donuts. The, he, he, he raised up one, a righteous servant. This man was perfect, blameless, whole, righteous. And he says, in this man, he said, I will take, in Isaiah 53, I will take the fullness of mankind's iniquity every sin of every person, and I will heap it on the back of this one who is righteous and blameless. And when the Father sees it, he sees all that belongs on us, and that's why it says the Father bruises him, the Father crushes him, the Father pierces him, and eventually the Father will cut him off from the land of the living, even though Jesus is the author of life, so that we, we could be brought into life with the Father again. And at the very end of Isaiah 53, it sums it up like this. Speaking of Jesus, it said, yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Which means when it says he's being pierced, crushed, bruised, do you know that that whole time, you know what he's doing? He's, he was thinking of you. The whole time he's interceding for us. Every time they pierced him, he's saying, Father, set them free from this. Every lashing of the cat of nine tails, he's interceding for us, dealing with the penalty of sin and the power of sin. The whole time, Jesus' entire life, he takes the penalty of sin and the wrath of sin. He defeats hell for us by going there for three days. He cracks open the grave by defeating the tomb now for us. Death can't hold him. Death cannot hold us. And then he ascends into the throne room of the Father, sprinkles his blood on the mercy seat, and says, it is finished. And I am the firstborn of many brothers and sisters to follow. That, Father, when you see an individual who puts his faith in me, may you see all of the work that I've done for them. May you see Jesus. Listen, we need, a, we need, we need the gospel. <laughs> we need the gospel. Paul said, Paul said, if you're under the dominion of sin, it's because you're under the law. If you knew grace, you'd be set free. Most people think it's grace that's keeping people in sin. No, it's because they still think it's them keeping their righteousness with God. And when sin hits their life, they start running in shame. You are set free in Jesus, in Christ, to live for Christ. Woo. You get washed by that. Oh, I can't pray today. Why? Because when I look at my righteousness checklist, I'm more in the negative than the positive. We were never righteous enough to pray before God. The reason why I can stand with confidence, even on my worst days, is because I was cleansed and made pure by the blood of Jesus. 
That's the only reason why. And the more that gets in your heart, the more you're going to be liberated from shame and the more you'll start running after God in a way you never could when you thought it was you keeping yourself. That's good stuff. <laughs> the, the, the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus was and is the greatest act of intercession ever. Angels stare and wonder over it. Elders fall down on their face and worship over it. Kings, it says, shut their mouth over it. And the redeemed weep in gratitude over the one who could stand under the wrath of God and bring the love of God back to man. Who could bring about the, prom the heart of God could make it become one on the earth. So when we intercede, that's what we're, we're standing in the gap and God's using us to bring his desire and his plans on the earth as Jesus did for us. Yes, with our words, that's what we're talking about today, but our lives as a whole. Amen. Guys, I want, I want us to feel the heart of what we're reading here in Isaiah 59. Because it's really easy to read stuff and just get lost in the text. But I want you to catch the heart. What is really being expressed when God says, I've been searching for a man? I've been searching for a man. You know what God's saying? He says, I can't stand the distance anymore. I can't stand to be at a distance.